0: Happy Father's Day. I bought myself a Father's Day gift. I bought myself this shirt for five whole dollars, which if you know me, I like a good deal. But on top of it, it's one of my favorite movies, Top Gun. Uh, we've been in a series on 80s movies, and we've talked about Karate Kid, and we've talked about Ghostbusters, and, and again, this is one of my favorite movies. Is it, it's got great 80s music, which I'm a big fan of, uh, and the pilots wore these cool glasses, which as a kid, I thought I needed a pair of this. Uh, you, you had uh, pilots battling each other, and so you had that intensity. You have this guy named Maverick, who's played by Tom Cruise, that is so arrogant and so self-absorbed and it was all about him and the other pilots that he was battling to be Top Gun. Uh, they thought he was a loose cannon, they thought he was dangerous, uh, he would leave his wingman to, to do his own thing. And uh, one of the people that he was competing against was a guy named Iceman. Well, one of the, or in one of the missions, one of the training missions that they were, they were doing, they were competing against each other, and Maverick ends up losing control of his jet. He ends up getting caught into the jet wash of Iceman's uh, plane and he ends up having to eject. And with his radar operator, a guy named Goose, and that was his good buddy, his good friend, and Goose ends up breaking his neck. And you see this real touching scene in the movie where where Maverick is holding Goose in the water and they're waiting to be rescued. And it's a real pivotal time in the movie because it's, it's at this point in time, that you end up seeing Maverick really do some reflection. And and you see him ready to walk away. He was grieving. He blamed himself. He had all of these different emotions. But eventually he comes back a changed man. And you end up seeing that he comes back and he ends up being a good wingman. He ends up being someone that people can depend on, that people can trust. He begins to be a, a team player. Now, what is a wingman? Well, let me say this up front. I'm going to use terms wingman, wingwoman. Originally, it was a military term, uh, and it took place in World War II. Uh, You saw pilots that were flying by themselves, and they quickly realized that this wasn't going to work. Uh, You couldn't be uh, basically a lone ranger out there, that you needed someone that would have your back, that would help you have an extra pair of eyes of what was going on. And so they developed the term wingman. Now today I'm gonna to use wingman, wingwoman. Uh, they I don't mean to be disrespectful uh, to, to women, but I'm just gonna use them interchangeably. But basically a wingman is someone that you can trust, that's your friend, that has your back, that will guide you, that will tell you stuff that maybe you don't even, even wanna hear, but they care about you. And one great example uh, that I read about of a wingman was in 19, or on August 18th, 1944. Uh, Major Burt Marshall was leading a flight of four uh, P-51 Mustangs uh, on a bombing mission against German forces that were supplying forces battling the Americans. And so he had these four planes, he was leading them, and, and they see these railway cars marked with red crosses. And so they moved on to a better target, but about 20 miles away, they found, and, and they found it, but they ended up looking back and all of a sudden, these railway cars ended up opening up, and they actually had uh, anti, uh, anti-aircraft uh, guns hit in them, and they began shooting at them, and Major Marshall's plane took the worst of it. Uh, it had holes all uh, throughout it, and he knew that he wasn't going to get back. But there was a his wingman, Lieutenant Royce Deacon Priest, was flying beside him and and reported all the damage that he had to his plane. And he suggested that he land his plane over in this field and that he would come pick him up. Uh, Of course, the major protested and he didn't want to want to do that. Uh, But he ends up landing the plane. And next thing you know, uh, Lieutenant Deacon ends up landing his plane behind enemy lines. Uh, there's a group of German forces coming, and he, uh, he ends up telling the other two planes, hey, can you take care of that, that truck that's coming? I- I'm going to try to rescue the major. Well, again, uh, you, you have Lieutenant Deacon down on the ground, and he's trying to get uh, the major, and the major's like, no, I'm not going. You need to get back up in the air. This is too, too dangerous. And, he, and basically, uh, Deacon Priest... He gets out of his plane and says, I'm not going uh, until you get in the plane. And so reluctantly, the major gets into the plane. And now you've got to realize that this is a small cockpit. It's not made for two people. It's made for one person. And they both uh, barely fit in there. And they end up flying back. And basically, you see Lieutenant Priest. He he ends up uh, telling the major, he said, I wouldn't want to leave without you. You're too important to us. They end up both winning some awards. But it's the craziest thing that you have a pilot that would land his plane behind enemy lines. But that's a good wingman. That's a person that you can count on. That's a person that you can trust. And Chris Hogan says everyone needs in their life a mentor, a coach, a cheerleader, and a friend. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the need for a mentor. But today, I want us to focus on being a friend. Uh, Being a wingman or a wingwoman, Uh, I want you to think about who that is in your life, and are you a good wingman or wingwoman? Many times in our culture, we're great with having many acquaintances, but we don't have many true friends, many people that we can count on, many people that have our back. In in the Bible, we see several examples of of wingmen and wingwomen. But the one that I want to focus on that I kept on coming back to was a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas ended up being a wingman for Paul. You might remember that Paul was originally named Saul. He was persecuting the church. Uh, he was ready to arrest Christians, and then he ends up seeing this great light and, and, say, and realizing that he was uh, persecuting Jesus, and it gets his attention. He's blind for three days. He ends up going on straight street, uh, ends up being ministered by a guy named Ananias, it gets baptized. And then you'll end up seeing uh, that uh, Paul ends up preaching uh, about Jesus in Damascus. But some Jews got really mad and they were ready to kill him. And so basically Paul ends up getting snuck out of a window, being lowered down and has to leave Damascus. And then he comes to Jerusalem. And in Acts 9, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Acts 9, it says, when, starting at verse 26, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Of course, because, I mean, this guy had been persecuting Christians. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told him how Saul had seen the Lord on his way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told him that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Paul needed a friend. He needed someone to stand up for him, and Barnabas was that guy. Barnabas says, I'll be your wingman. I believe in you. And a faithful friend stands up for you. And it says, doesn't waver in support. And that's what Barnabas did. He went to the believers and said, hey, I vouch for him. He has my stamp of approval. Barnabas was respected. Barnabas' friendship wasn't just short term. Uh, When he became a friend of Saul, I mean, he made a commitment for the long haul. After meeting the disciples, uh, Saul took some time off and retreated for three years to study and and have prayer and had reflection. uh, Spent some time in Tarsus, the town of his birth. Uh, But uh, eventually the church wondered what in the world happened to to Saul, uh, whose name eventually changed to Paul. And at this point, his friend, a wingman, went to find him, and that was, that was Barnabas. We're going to see in Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 25, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there uh, with the church for four-year, uh, teaching a large amount of, uh, a large crowd of people, and it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians." Um, Barnabas stayed with Saul for a whole year, uh, and beyond that, uh, they uh, ended up ministering, planting several churches. They were missionaries together. Uh, Yes, they ended up having a sharp disagreement. Uh, You can see that disagreement in Acts chapter 15. Uh, whether to take John, Mark, Barnabas' cousin, uh, with them uh, on their next missionary journey, uh, he had abandoned them, and, and Paul says, "No, oh, I don't want to take this guy." And Barnabas was like, "No, I want to take. I want to take him. It's important." And and they end up having this sharp disagreement. Uh, these two pillars of the faith, these two believers, they end up having this disagreement, and so they end up separating, and and Paul ends up taking Silas and goes on a trip. And then Barvis ends up taking John Mark and uh, ends up uh, ministering. And so basically the ministry is multiplied here. Uh, but one of the things that we see with Barvis is he ends up becoming a, a new wingman, a wingman for John Mark. And he ends up standing, for him, standing up for him and then investing in his life. And we know that John Mark ended up very close to the apostle Peter. Uh, we know that John Mark wrote one of the gospels. In Colossians 4.10, Paul gives these instructions. He, he, he says to Archippus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. So does Mark, Barnabas' cousin, as, as, as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. And so you read in Colossians 4.10 and you see that even though Paul at one point in time uh, had some heartburn with John Mark, evidently his heart had changed toward him. And I think that's a reflection of Barnabas standing in the gap and investing in John Mark and, and him being his wingman. And, and I can't help but wonder, I can't help but wonder uh, that that relationship didn't change some I can't help but wonder if Paul and Barnabas had some kind of relationship. We don't see it in Scripture. I'm just speculating. In 2 Timothy 4.11, we see that Paul's in prison, and he's soon going to be executed, and he's trying to get his affairs in order. And 2 Timothy 4.11 says, "...only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come." for he will be helpful to me in ministry. He goes on to tell him to bring my books and especially my papers, and I need my, I need my coat. And so he's coming to the end of his life, and who's one of the people that he requests? He, he requests to, for, him to, for John Mark to come. So I believe that Barnabas continued to invest in John Mark, and I can't help but wonder if Paul and Barnabas eventually healed their relationship. That's just speculation on my part. But we see, that Paul, Paul, or we see that Barnabas was Paul's wingman. We see that Barnabas was John Mark's wingman. And this morning, I want to ask you, who is your wingman? Or who's your wingwoman? Who's that person that will stand by your side no matter what? Maybe you don't have one right now. And, and maybe, maybe you had one, and maybe that season has ended, and maybe you're looking for another one. Uh, but I want to encourage you, What are you doing to cultivate that friendship so that you can have that wing woman or that wing man that will stand by you? sometimes we want a wing man, but we're not willing to be a good wing man or wing woman. What are you doing to become a good wing man or wing woman? Who in your life needs someone to be their wing man or wing woman? Who needs someone to stand in the gap and to watch their back and to stand with them through hard times? The thing about a wingman is that it's just not a matter of a benefit. Uh, It's not just a matter of one person being benefited to another, one person being loyal to another, or one person edifying one another. In fact, uh, that relationship is mutual. You both get a great deal of benefit from this because a true friend comes together. And you end up having this great relationship. Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." Let me read that again: "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." And when you have that winged man or that wing woman, you're sharpening each other, you're making each other better. You're becoming the man or woman that God wants you to be.") Both parties stand to gain from a wingman or wingwoman's relationship, and and true friends are built. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, Friendships are not like mushrooms, they're more like oak trees. It takes a while to build those. Uh, And in our faith community, we want to build that type of relationship. And this morning, I wanna give you just a few next steps. Uh, We wanna give you some challenges. First of all, list qualities, of a good friend and ask yourself, am I a good friend? Secondly, call or meet your wingman or wingwoman this week. Have a relationship with them. Make sure that you call them, thank them, and then think about someone who's wingman or wingwoman that you could be and start developing that relationship.